Shirt Show. All right, let's go. Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! All right, episode 10 of Shirt Show. We're talking with Cam from the Print Life in Arizona. Let's go! Cam. There he is. What's up, dude? Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's happening? What's up, guys? Are we rec- we're not recording right now, are we? We are, we- yeah. That's oh, how we just, do it. We jump right, right in. <laughs> fucking into it, man. <laughs> Hang on then. I, I'm going to go grab a, a yeah. cold beer. I'm going to get cold beer. Hang on. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, that's a good idea. See? Doing it right. I got a cold. No, it's not even cold. I got a room temp. Mm, ice mountain that's joanne spit that back in there that's not new backwash yeah that's okay though if she did it anyone dude, else why are we not sponsored right. by pure leaf yet Piece of shit, don't we even give be. me time to prep dude mm. is hey. it a miller light because that's what i saw you drinking last time that's coors it's, yeah i've recently switched to coors all right mm. and what are you drinking there iced tea mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. pathetic yeah <laughs> so what's up guys how's everything been going Pretty good, man. The last time I saw you, cheers. Yeah, the last time I saw you, we were actually I saw you in person. We were down yeah. at the um, ThreadX, and I was standing. Uh, I came to your shop, and you pulled. I was there before you, and it was wide open. <laughs> I couldn't. I was like, yeah. "Well, this is kind of weird. Like, the, it's just open, and he's yeah. gonna let us walk in." So I was like trying to figure it out, and then you pull up on your Harley. Which, yeah, and I didn't uh, recognize you. I'm all, who's this piece of shit loitering outside of my shop? <laughs> no, I just got kidding. shot. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> that was a surprise. How did the uh, ThreadX go this last year? Or the, the last one? Um, I was at this that one that we just talked about. So this year. And then Dylan yeah. was there in 19. The one I went to, I don't know. I, I liked it a lot. It what do you guys a, get out? What is? What do you guys get out of that thing, dude? Because I've tried to figure out why I would, you know, haul my ass to one of these conventions or these shows. I'm not. So hang clear. on a second. Haul your ass. It's like 20 minutes away. <laughs> well, yeah, that one. But like any of the other ones, like the shirt show one or what's what's the one Marshall has going on? The Oh, yeah. So shirt lab. Yeah, shirt lab. Shirt lab. And then, oh, well, you went to ISS. I saw you there. And yeah, I did it one year like and that. I was like, well, this is cool. You know, it was it was a good time, but I can't see going every year. Yeah. So that's what I'm ISS is different though, because ISS is more like manufacturers. Like you go there, you hang out with them, you see new stuff. The nice thing about the trade shows is that you can go and you can see the equipment and the people that make it and the experts on it. And you can ask them questions. Like if you have that press, you can be like, "Hey, like I've had issues with this. Mm. You no, know, what's the best way to fix this or do this?" And they're they're right there. But yeah. like ThreadX stuff is l- literally like the people who go to those are the people who really care about like printing and they want to go like learn more from people that know more than them mm-hmm. so it's basically like just going and like melding of the minds basically of like listening to people talk and then it's not necessarily the going and listening to people speak it's you, yeah you get stuff from that but like afterwards you're having lunch you're hanging out at night with all these people that have the same mindset as you so that that's really sense. what it is is just hanging out with people that are like-minded yeah that makes sense yeah yeah i mean i guess i've always just looked at it like uh, you know, like when you go on a, a YouTube channel or some shit like that, and there's like motivational speakers and all this and that, and it's just like, well, really, what what are we doing? But so the ThreadX and those kind of conventions, it's not that's not what you're dealing with. It's industry specific. 
it's a little bit, but yeah, it's it's very industry specific. Like yeah. usually it's a usually the speakers are people in the industry already. So I think there's two parts though to like Long Beach. You know, there's the there's the main floor where there's equipment and like you just said, Dylan manufacturers and, and supplies and stuff like that. But then there's also the conference or or whatever. Yeah, you know, like the the, seminars and stuff. Seminars and you sign up those are different things. You know, you can not, you can go to the ISS and then not go to any cinema, uh, say the word. Yeah. Seminars. Seminars. Baby. Yeah. yeah. I didn't go to any of them when I went. Yeah. But, Cause that, I, I mean, they cost money. And, and I was running that. around like a monkey trying to vlog the whole thing. That was a task, dude. That was a real task, but it was a good time. Yeah. I made it in like what's a, 0.5 seconds of your vlog. Like I was, yeah, like, you did. Was, you were, <laughs> it was like, a, what's up? That was, that, that's what you got. That was your yeah. airtime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, you're welcome, pal. Um, but no, when we, I saw you last, it was pre-COVID, which was crazy, which uh, wasn't even that long ago. Was it, dude? Was it before mm-hmm. the COVID thing happened? So we were gearing up. It, yeah, it so we were gearing up to do all of our live gigs. Like we had, I mean, we, we must have had 20 different shows scheduled throughout the year, like live, you know, live screen printing gigs. And then... After I, that's why I could have sworn it happened after that, but maybe I'm smoking drugs. But yeah, dude, once COVID hit, that entire side of my business just fucking <laughs> it, it. It pretty much tanked, and it has. And even now, like I can't even see a future for live screen printing at this point. And I had put, dude, I put all of my eggs in that basket. I, I had been pushing more and more custom work off. We were shrinking the shop down, and we were going all live screen printing. And looking at it now, it's like, dude, what a mistake. What a huge, unforeseeable nightmare. You know what I mean? Yeah. What did you do with all that? Did you just kind of, did you have stuff invested other than like equipment? Like, did you have stuff purchased for events? Shit, yeah, man. We had a, we were doing, um, it's been so, I can't remember the company now, which is crazy. But we had did a a full pre-print of like 5,000 t-shirts. We had pre-printed the logos. They were at the convention for that first one. And when they call, so we were scheduled to do the event on a Monday. We were, it was Friday. We were gearing up to fly out Saturday. We would be printing Monday. 5,000 shirts are there. The flights are booked. The hotels are booked. Everything is booked. And that Friday, the convention calls and said, dude, the entire thing has been canceled. The whole show. And you know, your heart sinks because you have all this cash invested in it. It was a it was a tragedy. And then, but we had other events booked up too. And all of those were like the next Tuesday, every event we had started calling and like a domino, just boom, 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 one after the other. So my entire year was basically shitted on. It was the worst. Dude. What do you do? What do you do with the shirts that are there? Do you just have a truck pick them up and return them? They ate, they ate the cost. They, uh, they, the, that first one, which was the only ones we had pre-printed, they ate the cost. So that didn't, that wasn't bad. It wasn't a mm-hmm. huge deal. They yeah. were, they were good like that. Yeah. They you said it was millions, like for all the vendors and everything, millions and millions lost. Just, I can just imagine. everyone had to eat it, dude. It was yeah. bad. What's happened for you guys and your company, companies with all of this? Has it, has it affected you at all? Well, we didn't do live screen printing. I know you do, Dylan, though. Did you have some? Yeah, we had events. We had events booked, but like we don't do it as like a huge, it's not really like a part of the business. It's just kind of like a thing we do on the side. Like a we don't really, yeah, we don't really travel. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we travel, but it's like within New York. Like we don't go like fly anywhere or do anything like that. So yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> yeah, we had a bunch of events that were really cool ones lined up, but they all, you know, obviously are canceled. But yeah, we just put it on hold and and whatever. But with a regular shop, like honestly, for us, like we're busy. Like things are totally fine. The only time it sucked was like the first like two to four weeks yeah. of when COVID happened, just because I feel like everybody was really confused. You know, yeah. nobody was buying anything just because they didn't know what the hell was happening. But once everybody got used to masks and what was going on, it was kind of like we went right back at it. And I don't know, we've been we've been really busy. The only main thing that sucks is like uh, like ordering blanks and shipping. I feel like every time now I order shirts, it's a nightmare because I'm constantly picking alternatives and then shipping takes extra days to get here. So that's honestly the only real hindrance that we've had. Who do you order from? Who's your main? Do you have a, a particular supplier you do we most use, of your work? We with? use S and S a lot, um, and and Broder, Alpha Broder are like our two main. Um, S and S is struggling, aren't they're having issues right now? Well, everybody, it's just like like I said, if somebody orders shirts, we have a customer that gets like small through four X or whatever. It's like yeah, you can order small through extra large, but then the two X, three X, four X, like I'm I'm constantly piecing them together with like different brands and different styles, and it's, yeah. it's a huge pain in the balls. So it's just a supply issue, but you didn't really yeah. have a big hiccup with, with the actual flow of work, just that just no. the first couple of months. Yeah. And I think people were also trying to be responsible and, and isolate and shut it down during that time too. You know, yeah. we're, we're having, trying to uh, be good Americans. We're having supply issues on the, on the printing supply side of things. Like we couldn't find, uh, we use street fighter for our white and there weren't, a, wasn't a five, a street fire anywhere. And so we ended up buying, it's nearly the same thing. We went with um, Will Flex Amazing. Yeah. But, um, uh, and we found it in some in Kansas city and we bought it all up and then we found, uh, oh, and then street fighter came back in and we, and we bought 10 gallons or something, but it, it came in different buckets. This, so I don't even know a, if it's re real. <laughs> this is an interesting question, man. So you choose, I don't even know, what is Street Fighter? Is that a brand or it's a line of ink from a manufacturer? Oh, Street Fighter is Street Fighter White from Street. Rutland. From so, Rutland. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you, with your experience, you prefer them over like Will Flex is amazing. Like you have found reasons to choose that white. We actually spent time unlike dylan we spent time no actually no dylan does do that that's that's um, what it is yeah that's right so like dylan don't drag me down i'm sorry man i'm sorry man yeah like dylan come to my level you fucks <laughs> <laughs> let's do this we took uh we i don't know we tested like five different low bleed because we don't we so right now we use two whites we use a low bleed and we use a poly and that's uh -huh. it it doesn't matter like if it's 100 cotton we're still printing our low bleed on there i know that people are going to probably tell me that's that's doing it wrong. But when you have too many choices in the back, then you're setting yourself up for for problems yeah. and for errors. And so yeah. we used to have five whites because I thought that was the right thing to do. That was mm. the absolute wrong thing to it's do. It's the wrong thing to do, man. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know, it's I don't know because we do just so many different things. And the low bleed ink is it's kind of a new development, right, where every manufacturer is offering some version of low bleed. But yeah. uh, I think it's a godsend. Are there people that disagree with that for whatever reasons? I mean, I think people, I think people blame their white for other problems. You uh -huh. know, they're like, hey, my white isn't, isn't bright enough and it's the ink's fault when mm -hmm. really there's... It's other, screen tension. Normally there's something else going on. You know, there's yeah. something else going on. And so what we found when we were testing our whites is exa exactly that. And so... <clears throat> um, the funny thing is when I found out that, you know, Poly One owns a lot of the different inks and also private labels, it's almost the same shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, no matter where you're, you're open, whatever, 
bucket you open up, a lot of it's the same, and then they have little nuances, I suppose. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's it's usually about like Dylan said, screen tension, screening, or sorry, For squeegee sure. angle or pressure. Yeah. Well, that's why that's why I'm always bringing up like people are always mm-hmm. asking what the best white is, which was interesting. Where you're like, well, we use what what the, what's the name of it? What'd you call it? Street 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 Street. Yeah. <laughs> to me, to me it's, well, my what I have always said is just get the one that's the quick that's easy, the most easily accessible to your shop because mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, it will provide the same thing. And price, agree right or disagree? Too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that too. I like I don't want to have to wait. Um, you 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 mean like as far as your supplier goes, you don't want to have to yeah. wait for four days or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like you just because so. there are always situations where you just need to pop down and grab that a quart of something that you just didn't have for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even especially with mixing systems, like the most important thing is just to have the quickest access to them, right? So I went with Wilflex by default, not knowing whether or not they were the best or the worst, and when I first started with it, but just because that was what my supplier carried. And the biggest thing is just think about what kind of shop you are. Like if you're doing mostly cotton teas and, uh, you know, blends and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a generic white you can use that works for everything. But you're, if you're doing a lot of sports teams, you're, you're going to be doing a lot more performance white. And then, right. you know, it depends too, if you're a manual printer versus an automatic, if you need an ink that's got better opacity or better like viscosity and if it's yeah. you know, super thick and, you know, also temperature and humidity take into effect of like if you do water base or if you do discharge and stuff and like with Arizona and stuff I know people out there in New Mexico and stuff where they're like we can't do discharge because shit dries in the screen too Dude, fast. it's a mess I mean we can do one because I was experimenting with all kinds of stuff and I get pushed back from this of course right but I have a YouTube channel so you open yourself up for all this shit but we were combining it because what the water-based white is for sure in my opinion the best white you can print but we couldn't even do a second color because by the time on a manual press, it comes back around, it's completely locked out, right? So we had to make compromises with that. But even just printing one color, if there's any time in screen, by the time you, it comes back around, it's completely locked up. So that's a question right. I have for you is why don't you have an auto yet? <laughs> that's, a, that's a big story, actually, man. And I, I remember talking to you about it a little bit, but I think for me, I decided there was a period of time where I was absolutely going to go the big shop route, you know, but after doing this for long enough, I think I've realized that that's just, it's just not where I want to go as like a business person. I don't want to like what you guys have to manage. I don't know how many people you got at your shops, but you're managing all these personalities and shit. And for me personally, it's just, that's not the answer. That's not the ticket that I'm looking for. So it really just comes down to what I want, you know? That makes right. sense, but you could run, uh, but you could run the man, you know, you could have an auto and you could run by yourself an auto. Yeah. You could run game. more, you could run more production by yourself. Yeah. And then, and that also just comes down to, um, where, where my marketing is. Right. And you have to look at the picture as a whole. And I don't know that I want to divulge this, but let's do it. So, <laughs> you know, I have a, a particular audience that I've been catering to for a long mm-hmm. time. And I think in in years to come, it may make sense to bring in an auto just for demonstration purposes. But at the end of the day, we're trying to, I'm trying to showcase a certain level of the, of this business and really not exceed that because I don't even have the experience to do it. So it would be cool to document it at some point, but right now that my viewers are mainly manual, you know what I mean? And the print shop has recently, again, I was doing live printing, but now it's, we're really focused more on the software so it just, it, it hasn't made sense, dude. And even four years ago, when I started the software, my intention has always been to get that out. 
you know, and everything else was really just a precursor to getting the software launched. So Probably. there's a whole bunch to it. I feel like we need to step back because there's you've you've done four <laughs> different businesses already that we yeah. need to kind of like. Well, you know, so like it, what did you do before Monument? I was a plumber. I was a commercial plumber and a designer. I, I started out by getting a job as a designer in a print shop, and then I decided I was going to start my own shop. And the, the wages I was getting then just they weren't good enough to like start buying equipment. You know, it was it was low wages, so. I took the best paying job I could get, which was in plumbing. And, and you loved I it. I took that job. No, it was a nightmare. I was a <laughs> ditch digger, dude. I was a, I dug ditches for two years and it, it was a nightmare job, but I took the job with the intention of financing a print shop. And at that time, what I wanted, what was, was what you guys kind of have now a big shop, lots of people, lots of prestige, all that shit. Right. So that was the initial goal. Um, and there's a whole series of things that happened when I was building it, but where I found the biggest issues in running a print shop is the management of the customers and the jobs, right? That's where, where you almost always, for me, I, I got tied up there because I was trying to manage all that. And I tried all the different software platforms and it didn't work for me. So I just started building what I thought it should be right during the time that so you I was were doing the shop. you were you were building that on your own for yourself not uh -huh. for the masses basically mm -hmm. and for your and, internal use you were building this software like a production management software or yeah, invoicing man. too i guess maybe yeah for sure and and uh i just you know i wanted certain things like you look at the way these systems currently run and before we go into that dude building software whoever does it on any kind of level is the it is so difficult to do you have no idea what you're getting into until you get into it but when did you start how long did you start building that? i think it's been four years now well since i started the shop when i was building mine for the shop it was maybe six years and then i ran it the first version for about two years right but on your own yeah, but that whole time when I built the first version, I, I was like, well, I'm not going to grow my shop because this shit still ain't doing what I want it to do. It's not managing things the way I want. So I would put off growing the shop because I was, I was like dead set on having this software platform that would fix all the issues I was having, right? So it kept, I put so much focus on the software that the shop just kept going on the back burner over and over. And it's, it's kind of, even to this day, it's still kind of like that, you know, to a large degree, but. But yeah, man, so I'm, I'm building it, spend a handful of years. I run it for a handful of years. And then I guess I had already started the YouTube channel just for shits and giggles. And yeah, what, just, made you, what made you want to start doing that? Well, I saw there was a, a, a need for it, man. Like as far as YouTube, no, no one was really doing it in a way that was even moderately entertaining at that time, especially for this industry. And so you could just see it. And I have a video production background as well. I had, dude, even in the 90s, I was filming and editing shit, you know? So mm -hmm. it just made sense. And I had learned about YouTube. I had started watching YouTube and I just said, I could do this, so I'm gonna do it. That's the way I do stuff, man. It's not like, <laughs> it's not premeditated. There's no like, there's not some big thing. It's like, I just, uh, if I think it sounds fun and I think I can do it, I'm gonna give it a shot and see what happens with it. You know, I'm probably yeah. the worst business person in the industry i just fucking <laughs> fly by the seat of my pants and you know hope for a good turnout so the way i roll tell us tell us more about how how you really really feel about all the youtube stuff like you like started it. it innocently enough you think everything's good like is this everything been good and how what do you see plans for 
YouTube is a waste of time for most people. It, it, it absolutely is. Because like, if you look at myself or Lee or Mikey or Jonathan, Ryan, these people have put so they, they are essentially able to do it themselves or put a team in place that can commit 40 hours a week to this thing. Right. And even for me with YouTube, I basically, even then I was like, fuck the shop. I'm just going to film the shop and that's going to be my full-time job from the moment I launched it for the most part. So if you are interested in doing YouTube, you have to have that level of commitment to gain any kind of traction. And if you don't, if you can't commit that level of time to that platform, you just, you can't catch on, right? You just can't until this podcasting thing. Now that there's this whole podcast thing happening, I, I think there's a caveat to that because this doesn't take a whole lot of effort to create and make, you know, and you can upload it. And there is a pretty strong audience for it from what I can tell. You're saying podcasting on its own or podcasting tied In into YouTube. Yeah. Oh. I think, it, I think podcasting is the, is the almost the most useful form of content that you can upload to YouTube with the least amount of effort. It takes an hour plus a little time on the edit, right? Can't yeah. beat that. Bro, I would spend fucking, I would film all day and I would be up from the time I stopped fil filming till three in the morning doing the edit to get it uploaded the next day. And I did that for the first two years. It's and hard. during that time, I got yeah. a, maybe a thousand subscribers. My first just, two years were brutal, but I loved it. That's how it is with um, anything, it seems, you know, whether it's our shop here or our Instagram or this podcast or, yeah. or anything, you know, you start in those early episodes or early months or years even mm -hmm. you know it's just like this slow out of the gate growth and then it just picks up some momentum that you know sometimes but but that's I, where you can tell who's gonna stick stick in there too right like it's you, tough you can, yeah you can tell the people that are gonna stick to it because they're in youtube especially now because it's so saturated the only people that have a shot are the ones that are gonna stick it out long term because mm -hmm. there's very rarely a short-term payoff but the long term the five-year term can be hugely beneficial if you're willing to put that much time in, you know, over the long haul. Just like, like you said, with any business. So what people have to decide is if, if that is, a, is a important at the core of whatever they're trying to do, how important the YouTube side is to what they're trying to do, I think. Yeah, this, uh, you're right. It is. So Dylan and I used to just talk on the weekends or whatever on the phone. And it was, oh, are you guys old school friends from back in the day? Um, well, quite a while. Hmm. Yeah. But that we met on, I guess it was probably Instagram, but yeah. you know, we, so we were, yeah, before the podcast, we were already talking and it's like, Oh, well, maybe we could record this. Speaking of which <laughs> he came on the podcast. I was badgering you and your ass kept oh, yeah. rescheduling on me. It's highly offended. <laughs> made me so angry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Sounds about yeah. Right. yeah. You were busy. <laughs> At that time, you were like knee deep in everything, huh? Things were changing rapidly for you at that time. Yeah, that's probably my fault. I think whenever I'm excuse. too busy, it's, um, I think whenever I'm too busy, it's my fault. You know, like if I, I don't want to complain to people because if I'm like, oh, you know, I worked, got in the shop at whatever and I left, it was dark, you know, or then it's, isn't that my fault? Because most of the time anyway, because maybe that's an issue of why haven't we, why didn't we hire right? Or why didn't I delegate these? this responsibility or it's my fault that after all of that, I'm still stuck doing these emails. Why didn't, why is that? You know? And so usually it's my fault. If I'm here too, too many hours, it's going to blame myself, but that's, that's a million dollar question though. Why, why is it, why, why did I pigeonhole myself into this mm -hmm. particular task and I can't find a way to dig myself out of it? Yeah. Yeah. 
that's, so that's I, the that's the question, right? That's the business question of the century. Because it <laughs> seems like the people that do the absolute best are the ones that find their way out of that, out of that situation. Because it's, dude, I see your shit, and maybe that's just for show, like on the social media. But it seems like you are like on press. You're installing shit. You're repairing <laughs> shit. This is all on you. No, like they call me in for that shot, right? Okay. They're just like, hey, Andy. I feel like I feel like that shit never ends though. Like if you're a true owner of your business and you're involved and you're like trying to grow things, like yeah. you're the one doing the shit that like if somebody calls in sick for me, I know Andy's kind of the same way. Like you're usually the one that has to fill in. Yeah. yeah you don't yeah, like just point fingers and be like, That you're doing that today. It's just kind of like no, most, it's on you to fix and do. Especially in like service-based businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Anything where it's a, a service. Hey, man, is my screen cutting in? How can you tell? You're, you, can you guys see me yeah. when I'm yeah, talking? You're, great. Okay. you're good. I'm one handsome son bitch. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I do think that uh, service-based businesses in particular have a dude so many things. That's why like when I look at your guys' shops, like it's an it's a impressive feat. Even just to get to that point, because it's difficult correct me if I'm wrong, going from where my shop is now and where most shops are when they start to where you're at now, the transition in between is the hardest. It's so difficult, right? And there's numerous reasons why it is. I, I feel like so. it's just making that initial leap to take a risk to be like, okay, basically it's going from manual to auto, really, yeah. or going from home-based shop to getting running a space. Mm-hmm. or buying a space like those are the big leaps that kind of like set the you know make it different yeah so like if you can initially take that leap and be like all right i want to get an auto like you just went to another level as far as like what you can accomplish as a business not necessarily like you're a better business now it's just like like if you got an auto you could do more jobs per day you know you could cut down your hours that you'd have to work at night or you know whatever or you could afford to do the next thing. So that's really all me and Andy are doing is we're just making processes and systems to make things more efficient constantly. Like buying equipment isn't like, Oh, we, we just want to buy this piece of equipment. It's buying this piece of equipment gets me to the next level of efficiency to be able to, you know, take on more stuff or do more stuff. So, yeah, I feel like that's just the big, you need to, uh, you need to make that leap at one, at some point to take a risk. And well, this that. is the, this is the million dollar question. Most small people are going to have, especially manual printers. Would you, if you guys were to go back and maybe you did it this way, single guy printing out of his garage, he's, he's looking to make the next step. Do you hire an, a single employee or do you bring in an automatic first? These are your two choices. Which one, which choice would you make first? Dylan, you go first. I feel like you could easily go. I didn't do that. So I know now that I've been doing this a long time, I know that I personally am not a printer. Like Andy was a printer. Andy did all of his own printing in the beginning. See, I didn't do that. I've always been at the desk. Like I've always done sales and I learned about printing enough to teach to hire some guy to teach him how to print, to have him print, because I know personally I'm better at this than I would be if I was just out there all day. Like, I feel like I can accomplish more as a business and at marketing and branding and talking to customers than I would if I was just like in the shop and never talked to anybody. Yeah. So I feel like for me personally, what we did is we basically hired an employee to print and then we got to the point where we needed to hire someone else. And then we ended up at one point had like three manuals going and different dryers. 
And then we did the model of, okay, let's work our asses off until we can't possibly manage this anymore. And then we bought an auto. But now doing this for so long, I feel like if I was in Andy's shoes, which is basically kind of what you did, right, was you manually printed until you've said, fuck, my wrist hurt because I have sensitive hands. To <laughs> you got baby hands? Baby soft hands to go, go dig digits getting for an auto. Years. It'll never go. Yeah. Your, your hands are made out of iron after that. So I feel like if I was the printer, I would have done it the other route. I would have got a you know, six or an eight color auto. And then I would have just been able to work longer yeah. and get more shit done. You know what I mean? So I think I um, how I, how we scaled was um, we were out of the garage and um, the first thing I did was hire an assistant, uh, you know, not somebody to run the press and I do other stuff, but just an assistant assistant, you know, whether it's catching it, the, we had this, my first dryer was a 2411. And it was like the greatest thing in the world because I had been flash carrying shirts dry uh, <laughs> before that. And so I got this 2411 and it was just three, this dryer was, had what, how they built it, was they, they just put three flashes in a row, of, yeah. you know, hovering above this conveyor mm. uh, dryer. And so, um, and then built a, you know, um, box around it. Well, it, it was great though, because it was fast enough and all that. But I, I had this dream, like, so when we were out of a garage, there was a, a print shop that was in town. And you could see when you drove by, they had these giant windows and, um, but it was painted above until like, you couldn't see anybody standing in there, but you could see these screens like up here kind of wrote, like um, going around on a, like moving around on how, you know, when you're spinning the press. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. we drive by and I'm like, Oh man, you know, one day. And there was like three presses in there. I was like, that's, that's the ticket. You know, it's I like a, you basically are describing yeah. a Christmas movie. <laughs> I know, dude. The window peeping, I'm picturing dude. it snowing with like frosted corners of the <laughs> yeah, windows, it was, it and you're like nice. holding the window like this. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> they had Rudolph playing. You know, right. that was your, a that train was your, inside moving that was around. Your red, that was your Red Rider BB gun. <laughs> yeah, that was right. what you're asking for for Christmas. <laughs> you wrote a letter to Santa. That's all you're saying, <laughs> and then an auto well, showed up. Like, uh, you know, because when you're fighting for just survival, you know, in in our garage with this, yeah. Uh, you know, like we would, so I would get, we would make some money and I'd be like, I'd have um, some money. I'm like, oh, so instead of though going and buying a big screen TV or something, I'd go buy, cause we were just washing out screens and on, on our outside literally. And yeah. so I'd go buy a, a booth, you know? And so I remember buying that booth too, and that changed everything. And so it just kind of grew like that. So I bought a, I bought, first I brought an assistant in just to help me with all that stuff, you know, whether doing, doing anything. And it was weird though, because I didn't know how that was going to work. I think we talked, touched on this once one other time about you're coming to, to our house, you know? Oh and yeah. You're you still somebody, in the garage. Yeah. So you have to find somebody that's down to just come to your house and, you know, be in your garage and all that kind of thing. But there are people out there. Yeah. Uh, they'll do it. So, but you're way further along than that, you know, like, yeah, maybe you don't have an auto and all these employees, mm -hmm. but you're, you have, you know, you've been doing this long enough where you've got a shop you've got a manual, you've got all your systems, you fucking wrote software, you have yeah. uh, this live thing, which it sounds like you were kind of, this was this new, hey, you started printing live and, and discovered that you could make some cash at it and you liked doing it, it sounds Ooh. like, like it was fun. Yeah, um, So was. you were you were transitioning over, you know, to that. So maybe the automatic, or getting an auto wasn't your thing because if you're going to start to go live and that was going to be what you were great at, yeah. well, maybe it makes sense to do that. For and me, I want to emphasize was, this for me, though. It was definitely the decision, but I do think a lot of other printers that's that is like the question, right? And that's why hearing from you guys, the question is when and how. 
for an auto? Yeah. Or just when and how, how do you go from the garage to, to a a real shop, a shop that can produce and that, you know, so I I feel like you're in your guys's point of view on that. Yeah. I feel like we should emphasize though, like you shouldn't judge a shop on like success by like how big they are, how many autos they have and shit like that. Cause a lot of the times you don't know, but really those guys, those big guys, a lot of times they're struggling too. They're taking out loans. They're fucking trying to keep the presses running all the time. But it's also like it's in what you do because this is such like an art space that it's kind of like just because you have a manual doesn't mean you're not a successful shop. Like you could just be focusing on like high end, you know, fashion lines and shit and you're doing, you know, more custom stuff. Like, yeah, it might be better for you to do it manually and to take time with it or work by yourself or not have employees and all that stuff. Like I did a podcast with like Jared Hennis and I, I think of him as like a very successful shop owner and he only runs manuals but he's his focus is on retail like yeah. he focuses on having a retail shop it's a very successful place and to, in my eyes he's a successful screen printer oh yeah because yeah. of the fact that he's using that model like and, so i don't think that shops should have that mindset of like the only way for me to grow and scale and do this and do this is to get an auto and get in debt and get like 20 employees it's like no dude do it at your own pace like Literally for us, it's just like every year we think about it. Okay, this year I'm going to get this piece of equipment so that this guy doesn't have to clean screens all day long. That's like my thing right now is getting an auto reclaim is just because I want a better, you know, work environment and quality of life for that guy. So this year I'm like, okay, I can afford X amount of dollars every year. And it's like, all right, this year I'm going to do this. Next year I plan to do this. So like I already have plans of what I want to do next year. I just don't want to get in debt ever so i kind of do everything that i can afford every year without getting a loan or going crazy and if i do get a loan i know i can pay it off in a year like i don't get a loan and i'm like i have to pay this off in 10 years it's like i don't want to do that i don't want to be tied to that for 10 years but that probably also means at the end of the year or coming into that third quarter you know where you stand profit wise and what you're going to pay out so you're trying to limit that as well right so i just know that at the end of the year at the end of the year, I already know, well, usually by the beginning of the year, I always know like, all right, this next year, this is the money I want to spend. And then my accountant knows, okay, I'm going to, you know, use that against your taxes or whatever for the next year. But I don't just have a lump at the end of the year. I'm like, this is how I get out of spending taxes. <laughs> but is your job, are your, is your business consistent enough to where you can kind of predict what's going to happen the following year based on yeah. what previous years did? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's beautiful. Yeah, we've had major ups and downs. When I started printing manually, that what you were saying earlier, that was all I did was basically brands. And I just, I marketed my entire website. Everything was after streetwear brands, right? And when I was doing it alone, it was actually an extremely good business. When I was dealing with the customers, doing the art and doing the printing, it worked out well, right? It wasn't like I was making six figures, but I was clearing, you know, 50 grand a year as an individual just printing out of, this little shithole right here but when you start bringing people in is where the struggle starts to happen because that that little bit of money that you did have now you're kind of chopping it into sections for your other guys that are pretending to do shit but they're not yeah. really doing shit so that that was where i i think i got stuck because we had two manuals and we were running i think we got up to two we, had, we got up to five guys we had a scream reclaimer claimer and then two guys on each press essentially kind of treating it like a semi-auto and i could not make that work dude it it, 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 i just simply couldn't make it work and it was probably my fault with training or 
leadership skills or something like that. But hindsight's twenty twenty. I think if I had if I were to do it again, I, I would have just the second I was planning on hiring someone, I would have just used that money to to buy an automatic. And then from there, you can hire someone to put them on so that you can do sales and, you know, move it that way. It's complicated, isn't it? I mean, there, so you have to learn how to screen print. So there's mm-hmm. that. Then you have to learn how um, to run, do accounting, run a business. There's that. Then you have to learn how to deal with customers, you know, and provide excellent customer service. The Amazon effect, everything's got to be fast and, and perfect. And then you have to learn how to manage people. Uh, yeah. and, uh, I would put that as probably the hardest, uh, dude, I want to, I know. like, I like what you just brought up there with the Amazon effect. Cause I have some mm-hmm. questions for you boys as, as screen printers. Cause I get this asked all the time, especially on the YouTube channel. And even when I was doing the podcast, what is your view of, of digital and where it's going? And to, to preface that, this is, this is my belief and you guys can, you can hundred percent push against this, but the way I see it going is the consumers are giving less and less shits about the quality of stuff, the Amazon effect. And what they really care about is next day or second day turnaround, right? Which is going to have, I, my beliefs eventually affect, especially the direct to consumer or the business to business market. Maybe you disagree. What do you guys think? What's your opinion on it? In my opinion, it's the market. It depends on the customer. Like a lot of time, the people who would, in my eyes, the people who would order shirts. So say if Amazon merch takes off and which, you know, whatever a lot. And it's like the custom ink stuff, like nobody who's an artist or a streetwear brand or all this other stuff. They're not going to Amazon or custom ink to get their shirts made. Mm -hmm. Those are the, the people that go there are the people who want like, family reunion shirts or they need shirts for a bachelor party or whatever. It's the people who are just like, I just need a fucking shirt for this thing. And I don't care what it looks like. It's for like a weekend. I just want to do my part and say that I like bought shirts for this family reunion. They don't care about the quality. They don't care about this and that. So to me, that's not my business. That's not what I want to get into. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not my thing. So I feel like we're very into like the quality of the print and stuff like that. Uh, it just depends on what market you're trying to do. So if you're trying to get into that, like, you know, the, the for me, the digital comes into like the fulfillment side. Like if you really want to get into, into fulfillment, yeah, you can crank out orders really fast with digital because if somebody orders a shirt tonight for this one guy, you know, in the morning, all you got to do is throw it on DTG, hit print, done. You don't have to do 24 or 50 or whatever. Yep. You're just doing per piece. That's where that comes into play for me. But again, I like to stick with printing as much as possible. The way things are going now, though, is the hybrid stuff. That's why like M&R and, you know, these other companies are really trying to get into digital is because they want to do hybrid. So they want these companies to and you got to start somewhere. So like right now, people look at digital squeegee and stuff and they're like, oh, it's not obtainable because it's X amount of dollars. There's no way I can ever get this. But it has to start somewhere. Like eventually, yeah, the price is going to come down to where like the general guy can get it. But they got to start now with, you know, whatever. So basically what that's doing is it's cutting out all the costs of mixing a ton of inks and mix like, you know, somebody wants to do a picture of your face on it. You can do a hybrid. You just have to make an underbase and then they're going to digitally print the top. So you're getting rid of extra workers. You're getting rid of extra screens. You're getting rid of mixing all these inks. 
it's just a big time saver. So to, we've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast, but for me, it's, oh. it's a tool. It's uh, not taking the place of anything. It's just like, how do we cater to this customer better and more efficiently? That's why I feel like everything with this industry is just efficiency. Yeah. And it's like I you agree. buy a piece of equipment because it's going to make you more efficient. Not necessarily, you don't want to look at it as like, how can I save more money? How can I get an extra pennies on things? It's like, how can I just make this more efficient to get this job done better and a good quality, but you know, effectively. So yeah. that's where I stand anyway. But, but I think um, I agree with a lot of what you just said, but screen printing's always got its place because you know, like um, we just ran uh, Friday, we ran um, 600 shirts for a race and it's one color print. White yeah. Ink. That's never going to go so, away. And so, yeah. And it's front and back. Yeah. And how, how do you, compete with screen printing uh digitally if you've got a 600 shirt order one uh, with white ink you know you just can't i don't think digital so, can even mm-hmm. on ma- on multicolors at mm-hmm. volume right mm-hmm. it can't it, it i don't sure. even think it can compete then maybe the digital squeegee the digital, maybe the digital squeegee, yeah, yeah digital will get there where it can compete. And that's why i said that's why i said basically when we bought the gauntlet that's that's what we were thinking in our eyes it's okay like you know in three four years we'll get a digital squeegee but realistically what we'll do is we'll make uh, like a rule basically that any order that's over four colors, like you got to do the math and figure out like where your money is. Like, you know, it's worth it for me to do a 200 piece order as a three color with me mixing inks, with me making three screens, me printing it that way. And then where does it shift over to be more cost effective and quality to do a six color digitally? You know what I mean? So we would say that like, okay, any job that's a hundred pieces or more that's over three colors is getting printed digitally right? with a digital squeegee. And then everything three colors or less. Yeah. We're just going to pound out on the auto as normal screen print because you're still always going to have those customers that want, you know, 101 color prints or, you know, 10,000 on one color prints or two color prints. It's going to be way faster. Like, you know, every three, four seconds on the auto for doing it with, Plastic all our water base. Yeah. But do you guys believe that um, the digital is, it, maybe the digital squeegee isn't the final answer, but the, it, the, the technology is going to continue. You know how much like the offset presses eventually got completely annihilated and there was digital versions of the offset press. Do you, do you see that that technology is just going to keep going with screen printing and it could, I mean, it could even be a series of heads, right? That each do one of the process colors there's a million ways it could go but do you see a future where it just overtakes the squeegee altogether no no i think it's just going to be i think it's going to be like a big part of people's shops Mm -hmm. but i don't think it's ever going to take away screen printing i mean screen printing's been around forever like it's not a new thing at all but it's just so it's just which, press. which way so was Kodak, uh, so was Kodak film. Yeah. Right. But I'm just saying like, which way, I mean, it might get to that point. It might get to the point where digital is way faster than doing it screen printing. And I feel like it's just a difference between speed and quality. Like that. I agree. It, with, it, yeah. If digital catches up to being like, Oh my God, like the quality of this is exactly the same as screen printing. It doesn't wash off. It doesn't fade it doesn't this and that, then yeah, like you're, as long as it is as fast and as quality as screen printing, yeah, it might take the place of it. But I feel like that's a ways away. And even if it does happen, you know, it's, who can, who has that equipment? Who's going to do that? Well, like you said, it'll be, there'll be that big point where it's so new that it's 
unobtainable by people other than like Amazon or something like that. Right. And over time, but that's what I'm saying. Takes, like right it now, take 10 years to t- trickle down to be affordable. Right. For the average we're, right now we're in that early stage of like, it's, well, I mean, it's already been years of them developing digital and stuff, but you can just look back 10 years ago, where was the DTG market and what was the quality like? Well, now we're here 10 years forward already. And we're like, Oh shit, it's getting close. Yeah. Like, where's it going to be in 2030? You know what I mean? Like they got to start somewhere in 2030. They might be like, Oh, the digital squeegees, you know, like cheaper. And it's yeah. like, in 2030, you know, any shop can uh, buy it. Aren't we all zombies by then though? By yeah. Well, I'm actually sure. most of you all on the left are already are zombies. That's <laughs> <laughs> how you look at it. But did you guys, did you buy stock in a corny yet? Cause Amazon bought like a 40% share of their, of their, of that company. Mm-hmm. We believe blue here. You believe blue? Corny's, corny's <laughs> blue. Corny yeah, it's is a different blue. shade of blue. That's true. We're gonna get down to the Pantone book now. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I don't know. I, I do. I have. I. I. I don't know. I don't. I at this point, as far as the printing industry goes, I'm. I. I am all. I cannot make a decision. I cannot pull the trigger on on what direction I want to go. Uh, I have. Yeah, I'm just I'm stuck, and it's it's fun to talk to other people like yourselves who are in who are at a little bit higher volume level, and you've been doing it long enough that at least you have insight into it and where it could be going and what the pitfalls could be coming up. What do you guys think is going to be the issue with screen printing over the next ten years? Whether it's with the virus or with these kind of things that are going to happen, like screen printing for a long time was a part of the promo market, right? It was it was highly invested in that world and now that that seems to be sort of dying off do you see any issues with the industry as a whole you think it'll shrink you think it'll grow i think it's weeding out the people who couldn't hack it before you know what i mean we there was a lot of people who were just trying to undercut and you know do everything else and now those people can't afford to stay open um, but I, I think it'll all come back. Like, it, I, and I feel like it's going to come back really hard. Like as soon as they come out with a vaccine, well, if the vaccine doesn't turn everybody into zombies and it's all over with, <laughs> well, it'll definitely um, microchip you at the very least. Right. That will, yeah. that will be the microchip injection. Mm-hmm. We, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because I will do that for hours if you want Loves to. It. Loves it. Loves <laughs> it. It's the only um, shit I really like talking about is that yeah. stuff, go ahead. <laughs> all right. Well, let's do it. Um, <laughs> We'll but yeah, I, I don't think it's I I don't think it's going to be that bad. I feel like as soon as everything goes back to normal, it'll all go back and things will be fine. I think right now it's just everybody's struggling with, you know, who's working, what supplies you can buy, what shirts you can buy, and stuff like that. But yeah, I think it'll be okay. I think I don't want to rag on you or anything, but I think that the the biggest thing you need to do is you need to just pick something. Yeah, it's software. <laughs> my well, my 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 decision for a long in case people are wondering about where I'm going it has been software for the better part of fuck at least 4 years now so you software, see phasing out of printing and doing more just not phasing software? out but the the screen printing is going to be a supplement i'll i'll say it this way the screen printing will be a supplement to the software and not in the way that people might think and so we'll have to let that roll out and you'll see what i'm talking about but it would be nothing more than a supplement to it mm-hmm. And it would be more associated with the software than... Uh, How's the software going? It's good. It's still in the early stages, you know? And that was actually... It was a saving grace because I had been... 
I mean, fuck. I, my time, dude, you guys have to excuse me. My memory is shit. When I start trying to think backwards, my timelines get tied up. But I had been working on it for four years and I had no intentions of, I mean, I would have loved to. The dream would have been to launch it this year. But based on where it was, it wasn't truly ready to launch. Even even now, I, like it would have been, I would have been hard pressed to launch it had certain circumstances not, you know, came along. So the coronavirus hits and my main business, which was live screen printing, where I put most of my, the eggs in that basket, as far as the print shop was going, that went tumbling. So I was just kind of left, you know, "Uh, what am I going to do? Well, the software was close enough along and I felt like, here's what I'll do. I'll offer it low enough that it's almost like a paid beta program. And if it's low enough, uh, people won't be as entitled and butthurt if, if some things don't function maybe the way that they should. Right. So that was kind of the, uh, off the hip get, like plan was just to like make it cheap enough that people would come in and they would deal with the bugs and we would work them out slowly. So over the last, since I launched it, which was maybe three months ago, we have finally got like most of the funky shit buttoned up. There's still little things that poke their heads out every once in a while, but it's starting to show the potential of like a legitimate enterprise level software. I would say we have another year to go to, to have it to where like uh, a shop that does embroidery and signage and screen printing and all of these things could fully manage all of that within the software. But from a screen printer's point of view, it has everything you need. And then some, you know, what like big roadblocks have you come across with it? It's always development. It's always, it's always, the time it takes to develop a new feature, dude. It's so, it's not, it's, I mean, it's expensive. It's time consuming. Are you then, hiring a crew to do all the Yeah, stuff? I have a development team, dude, <laughs> you know? But yeah, but even with, no matter how big the team gets, it's probably, it's the same with screen printing. The bigger the team gets, in some cases, things actually slow down unless you have very specific systems in place to manage, you know, when you build something and then how you, how you launch it and how you do all of these things. So, um, but it's always comes down to development time. Like if you come up with an, a feature and you're like, yeah, this is how we need to do this. You, you can allow anything from one month for a small thing to a full 12 months just to get like a major feature built out, debugged, uh, rolled out as a beta and then actually launched like massively. It's a huge undertaking, man. So, yeah. but it's fun. It's it, for me, it's the funnest thing I've done in a long goddamn time. But you feel like you're you're getting enough money and funding from mm-hmm. regular printing to keep that going? No, the software is uh, paying for itself now. I mean, we have enough okay. users in there that it's uh it it pays for itself plus development. So well, if that's it, what it, you um, like doing, you know, and that's what you're good at, and it's fun. Yeah. Then I would go all in on that. Like I'm going all I, in on it. Yeah, I'm all I mean, in. I'm in. I'm in on it for the next ten years at least, dude. I mean, it's oh, going to wow. be yeah. I'll be in on it for the next ten years. I'm gonna, That's good though. I'm, it's, I'm not going to make a, I don't you finally make a claim, picked something. Hit me up in five years and we'll see if I've still picked this thing, but, but nah, dude, I'm yeah. in on this one. And I think, um, I was actually, I've talked about this on many podcasts and even in videos, like, and this is not defending myself because don't do that. But this is for other people that are listening. Like a lot of the times, even if you, your first business happens to be screen printing or you're a designer, you, you, 
the timeline doesn't really matter. What you're doing is testing things out to find where your passion actually is. And some people get lucky in the first business they enter is the, is the business that makes the most sense to them and they're ready to go all in on this, this one thing, right? Uh, but others, you're going to try three or four different ones and they may all fail. And some of them might actually, may actually do well, but you find that you can't stand it. Like I had certain areas of the business I don't like with screen printing, but there's certain things I really love about it. But there are certain aspects of it that I was not a fan of. And because of that, I was like, well, we got, we got to do something different. <laughs> you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there is no shame in your game, no matter which way you go. But mm-hmm. hey, fuck you, Dylan. I picked something, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Good. I'm fucking happy for you, okay? And you're welcome. Yeah. See, that's I'm, the thing is like, I don't really give a shit like what anybody does as long as they're doing something that they're passionate about. Like uh-huh. what I don't like is when people start businesses and they're just like, I'm going to do this and I'm just going to get rich. Like I need to find a way to get rich. And it's that's, like, dude, you need everything. to start a business that you're fully like passionate about and what you love yeah. about because people realize quick that you're not working nine to five with a business. Like you're yeah. thinking about it all day, every day. You're working late. You're trying to get things going. It's what you're passionate about. And like, yeah. you know, I'm still, I've been doing this for, you know, in this industry for now for like 14 years. And it's like, I'm still fucking learning shit, thinking about stuff, working late, taking extra hours just to like learn and figure stuff out. And it's like, yeah. you need to be okay with that. You need to know that if you're going to do a business, you're going to do that forever. Like, that's what it is. I think I what um, I think it's Completely great agree. that um, I think it's better to make a decision, go bold, mm-hmm. and then and then you know learn from that or you know to execute anyway to end up at your goal. Just to make decision, go bold, go all in, and do it. Yeah. Even if or that's better than not making the decision and just totally. planning and saying, oh, what should I do still or whatever. At least do yeah. something, go in a direction because just what you said. Exactly, kind of what you did. So you made a decision. You're gonna have the screen printing shop, and you went bold and you did it. Pivoted to YouTube. Pivoted to uh, this software. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. and you never would have developed software for screen printing, or nor could you have could if you enough. didn't know. If you didn't print. Could yeah, enough. yeah, yeah. So you and, and even more importantly, I, I couldn't have identified the real issues with current systems on the market. Yeah. Had I had I not been printing and seeing the shortcomings that I was dealing with and, and wanted to solve those problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, and that happens in, I think with most people, um, even in screen printing, even if you stay in it, you will find certain markets that work and, and you'll dabble in other markets that you cannot, uh, get a foothold in, right? Like no matter what you do, you just can't penetrate that market. So you may let that one go, but you, you, you'll go all in on a different market. And then maybe you come back to that market a few years later and try it again. But yeah, that's, that's the, the life cycle of business, I think, but also, and maybe this is something, it would be cool to know where you guys stand on this. So as a business owner myself, one of the things I discovered not very early on, but probably two years into the print shop was that I'm just, I'm not the guy that likes to manage teams. You know what I mean? So for, for me, having a bunch of people around is not my, it's not my thing. I prefer a small group, you know, four to five people. You can talk shit to each other, but you can be in one small office. That, that's what I prefer. I don't like big teams. I think my personal skill set as a business person, and let's be very clear, bad business person, but is, is I would say somewhere between marketing and, um, 
I mean, maybe, maybe art or creative vision a little bit, but mainly like creative marketing. Do you, what are your guys's, what's your skill set? Like if you had to pick one within this business? Hmm. Well, like I said, for me, it's talking to the customers and doing the marketing. Like that's always been my strong suit is I, I'm just, I can talk to people. Like I can talk to people all day long. I, I like being very straightforward and truthful with people like a customer. So I feel like that's what a lot of people gravitate towards us for. I'm not the cheesy car salesman. Like a lot of times we'll get people like the best for me is like, is basically like tax season when people get their money back from taxes, you immediately get that flow of people are like, I want to start a clothing line. Oh, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I immediately know, like I've been broke. Like when I grew up, I wasn't, I didn't like have a ton of money. So I knew like, these people are getting a, like an influx of money and it's like, I feel so bad taking it from them when I know their clothing line is going to fucking tank like nine times out of 10, it doesn't work out. Like, yeah. and some people go hard. They're like, Hey, I got five grand back in taxes. I'm going to spend $4,998 of it on a clothing line. And a lot of time I'm like, Hey, like maybe let's dial it back and do like two designs that you're really feel really strongly about. Let's test the waters. Like let's do like, maybe a thousand dollars like figure yeah. it out and then to me that grows business because a lot of these customers are like oh shit this dude like set me straight and like helped me figure this out and it wasn't just like oh shit yeah. they have a five thousand dollar budget let's like take it all and then we're never going to hear from them ever again yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So i'd rather so see them succeed with those two designs trust with people right then. Right. Yeah, like I said, if they sell those two designs and come back and they're like, oh shit, we sold these, like they might actually be able to like grow a company. Yeah. But if they like bury themselves in the beginning, they're never going to be able to get out of it. Yeah. So that well, to there's, me another is my one wanna, there's another one I want to throw in there because I do think that I'm good at, at uh, finding issues. Like I'm, I'm good at like going, oh, this doesn't work. So this is what we could do to fix it. Like even with, on shoestring budgets, like even within the print shop, like I would get innovative with the way we did things, even if we didn't have a budget to like buy the best piece of equipment to fix it. That's so you're one. saying you're a good problem solver. I'm a good problem solver. I was going to say with, that. With some marketing skills associated with that, you know. <clears throat> Actually, dude, I'm more of a problem solver than marketer. Problem solver and a marketer. <laughs> I'm still mark figuring out what the fuck I am, dude. <laughs> what about you, man? I'm still figuring out what the fuck I am too. And, and I'm older. So I should, I don't know if you ever figure it out. You I don't. mean, I have a better idea, but, um, I'll bet if you think you figured it out, you're, you're done, dude. You're done. You're on your deathbed. Maybe. I'm always working on myself uh, and the shop and everything. There's always something, but yeah, I would just say that I'm a, I, I like, um, I like solving problems because, um, there seems like there always is. And so you kind of get good at that. So every day you just never know like what you might run it walk into here you know you may think oh tomorrow i'm gonna this is what's gonna happen oh, yeah. take care of this list never or whatever does. ever this you know? is this is this is an interesting one I've, I've come to realize as i when i started hiring people is how even if you have a printer like let's say you have a guy in the shop and he and he knows a lot and you're actually confident in his skills but do you still find that they're always that they come to you to, almost like as confirmation for the for even though they know the answer and how, how do you how do you get them to the stop time. that is there a way to get them to stop that punish them <laughs> <laughs> what do you got what, you got a paddle back there that i can't see what are we doing yeah. here yeah i'd take my belt off and beat them old school i figured yeah no 
Like I a, have that all the time. I have guys that work here that ask me the same fucking question like every day. And it's like, dude, the, the thing is, is they know the answer, but they don't want to be responsible for the outcome. Like they know, okay, this is probably the best way to do this, but they don't want it to be their fault if yep. something happens. You know what I mean? And it's always like, I don't want to throw Brian under the bus, but it's always the art department. He's like, what should I do for this? And I'm just like, dude, you know the answer. Please just fucking just do just it. Do like, it. yeah, you know what I mean? And it's like, I don't blame him, but it's like if he if he makes a gut decision on something and then the customer actually said it specifically they wanted another way, like he'd be doing it wrong. So yeah. like I don't blame him, but like I said, it's that thing of like I get things like that all the time of like, you know, should I do this? And it's like, you know the answer. Like Yeah, it's one of the aspects that I that I do dislike about about teams in general is that like because and it's interesting you go out and you know, I've even learned to like make them answer the question themselves. You know, but then you, then you you're constantly dealing with the fact. Well, you, dude, you just I I made you answer it and you answered it. So why do you do this again to the next day? And why do you continue to do this? And it it's one of those things where you just there's really nothing you can do about it except try to put more degrees of separation between you and them, which takes hiring um, more people. Are you ready for uh, something provocative? Let's hear it. All right, I got three things here. Ready? Let's do it. Important business lesson. Number one, if you create, don't laugh. <laughs> All right. Do you, does he know this already? No, but I heard okay. him laugh in the background and that pissed me off. Oh yeah. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready for Andy's rant of wisdom. I love this. This is my favorite shit. And I can tell Dylan squirms every time this happens. <laughs> Dylan's mind is going to be blown. Right this is here. him. He looks like he's got an itchy ass. He's, all squ- <laughs> he's like squeaming in his seat. If you created the problem, then come to me with solutions to discuss. Two. If you are the problem, acknowledge it and change or remove yourself. Three, if the problem was easily solvable and you come to me, you lose cred- credibility. Confucius <laughs> <laughs> say. Yeah. Well, then all of our printers uh, have no credibility because they all know the answer. To I, all the problems. I 100% with number, I mean, I agree with them, but like yeah. number one, I was actually going to say like, that's, that's a big thing with employees is like, you always get those employees that like, well, we don't really have that problem, but like you always get those employees that come to you and bitch about stuff. They'll be like, this doesn't work or this thing. And it's like, if you're going to come to me with a problem, like also come to me with like what you think is a better solution. Like, don't just come at me and bitch at stuff and then walk away. Like come to me and be like, Hey, this doesn't work, but I think that this might work. Like, let's try it out. And then like, let them try it out. Like that's, that's the ticket. Come with a question and an answer. Cause then, yeah. then it all it puts on you as a yes or a no, or at least a and suggestion you can just run with that. You know what you I mean? Know? Like mm-hmm. as an owner, you don't know the answer to everything. Like really what you're going to do is somebody comes to you with a problem. Like there could be a problem on press. Like all I'm going to do is I'm going to go out there and try a couple things. You're going to problem solve it. it. Yeah. yeah right. You're going to problem solve it, which, which yeah, is my job. But it's also like, if you're the press guy trying to figure stuff out, maybe like have some suggestions. Like you do this shit all day long. I sit at my desk. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I research and try to figure things out, but like, I'm not doing it all day long. Like that's true. Come to me and, with like what you think it might be. And there is also another reality. Like when things are, when something cannot be figured out sometimes and actually almost always just putting that second or third set of eyes on it almost always finds the answer that when you're in the trenches, a lot of the times, and I think owners do forget that sometimes that when you're in it and you're laser focused on something, you're not being objective to the problem. That's and a good so point. sometimes bringing an outsider in just to overview it, they give you an answer and you're like, fuck, I knew point. that dude. Yeah. You come in and you say, have you tried this? And they're like, ah, 
Yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, that happens. And that's like with these, like with the podcast or with going to ISS or going to these things, it's like, you might talk about something at a table over dinner and be like, Oh, we've been having problems with this. And then the guy next to you is like, Oh, I had that problem. And then we did this and we fixed it. And it's just like, God damn it. Like, why didn't I think that? that, When they do that, I go, you're wrong. (laughs) I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just Uh, like, we, me and Andy have had this discussion on here before, but it's like the same thing with, we were saying like if somebody's sick and we take their place, like we go fill in for in the screen room or something like the guy who's in the screen room is doing the same thing all day, every day. But we pop in and as a you know, another set of eyes and we're like, Oh yeah. Like we could do this. Like we could change this and make this more efficient. And then like, yeah, dude, meet that's with a them big again. one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, even just poking your head into departments, right? Like you'll be like, oh, dude, you didn't even. And sometimes you'll be like, well, you didn't even tell me that there were chips in this and that there was right. this with that. And you're like, you know, you got to. Well, they don't want to be, you know what I mean? That They're not the owner. They don't know if they can afford to like buy yeah. another thing or do this or do this. And then you pop in and you're like, oh, shit, we can actually like fix this up or do this yeah. differently or buy a piece of equipment that's more efficient. And it's like you don't know unless you go out and do that shit. You know what I mean? Don't. I have a lot of people though that are are motivated and they go beyond expectations and they do do take care of, you know, if they do recognize that, Hey, it'd be more efficient if we did this or if we did that. And if it's something minor, then they just do that on their own. If it's something major, let's say we have to purchase something or it actually will affect somebody else down the the line. Well then they'll say, Hey, I want to change this. Is this cool? And then we'll, we'll talk about it, you know, but, um, and I usually say, uh, sounds good. Let's try it. You know, all you can do is just like, Hey, let's, let's try that out and let it run and see if it, if it works. And if we want to, you know, like don't commit, say, okay, yeah, that's the new way for sure. We're going with that forever. There's no turning back. You just try it out. And if it was better then let's do it. Why not? Yeah. yeah it's like, I, sure. I recently hired, um, we've always, this has kind of been like a summer help thing, but we've always hired people in the summer to like, you know, basically fold shirts at the end of the dryer. Or, you know, like both processes are running, everybody's busy. We need somebody to lay those shirts out for the front or the back or whatever. So every year up until now, we've always just hired somebody for the summer, basically, or like busy season, like early, you know, late spring to, you know, Thanksgiving, basically. Mm -hmm. And then we lay those people off and then we'll get somebody new next year or the same person next year. We decided this year to like pull the trigger and just fully hire somebody for that all year long because we don't really get that slow anymore because of the market we're doing. Um, But Megan, basically, we hired her to pull shirts at the end of the press. What market are you in? (laughs) That's a a fucking secret. (laughs) Um, But we just basically hired her to pull shirts and then we got really busy with fulfillment orders. And I was like, Oh, you know, Hey, between doing this, like pack these orders and stuff. And then I just like gave her the reins. I was like, here's the packing slips. Here's the, here's the shipping labels or whatever. And she like organized shit like so good and so fast and efficiently that I would have never thought of doing. And like, I literally had a conversation with her yesterday and I was like, Hey, like, you went above and beyond here. Like you didn't have to ask me, you weren't bugging me. Be like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Like she went ahead and just did everything the way she felt it should be done. And it was awesome. And it you was acknowledge that you said, I, hey, acknowledge you, that. I and, told her, and I was you, like, Hey, like, here's a raise. Like, yeah, but, I but also, appreciate you. But also by having that cycle of people coming all the time, you're able to identify those things. You have more opportunities to identify those kind of people when they come around. Cause yeah. that, especially those kind of traits that are like, uh, I mean, I guess they're self-starters or they're just organized. You don't find them in, in the average person, right? They show up every once in a while. 
And when you it get depends. them, yeah. you hold on to them. You hold on to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. What do you? Have you guys? Um, have you either? Have you been in any positions within your business where you thought you might like actually lose it? Has there ever been a point in time where where things got so bad that you were actually like n- nervous for what what the future might hold? Oh, not lose it, like freak out and, and pissed off. <laughs> No, 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 like no, not losing, start, not your kick, business is going yeah, under. Not kicking holes in drywall or, you know, <laughs> taking out your employees with your fists. But I'm just talking like where you thought it, it might fall apart on you. I've never had that. Okay, well, then you're out of the conversation. Andy? No, I've never. Uh, oh, what I mean, a great I guess question the, then. Yeah, I guess at the very, maybe year, maybe just a little over a year in, mm-hmm. we were at a, uh, there was one spot where I wasn't sure if I was going to make payroll. And, um, was that around and, the COVID and, time? And we did, no, this was 10 years ago or something. Okay. So, um, but we did. And then a couple of years ago, I wasn't sure if we were going to make payroll either, but it wasn't because we, I had it in a different account. It was just, I try to keep, so the business is its own account. Like in other words, I don't want to have to put anything into it. And so I had mismanaged how I, I had some, too many receivables, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and we, it got tight for a minute. And so, yeah, uh, but, but that was, that cash crunch is way different than, uh, yeah. Hey, are we going to, are we going to lose the business or become bankrupt or anything like that? So no, I've never been. Right. Yeah. That's the closest I got was just with, uh, with S and S and it, and it did happen around, um, the time when this last year, it was the first time where I was like, Oh no, dude. Cause you know, like I said, with the shirts, we had put those on the account with S and S, you know, the, the 5,000 that we were doing for the event, we put them on there with every intention of, um, you know, using the, the original deposit that the company had given us to, to, you know, book the flights, pay for the shirts and all that stuff. But because I had like kind of planned to have all of these other things coming up, I've sort of let that receivables ride with S and S or the payables, whatever the hell it is. And Creative so financing. <laughs> yeah. And, and then when everything started tumbling one after the other, I was kind of left there like with, it wasn't a huge thing, but it was like 10 grand on S and S. And, and for a minute I was like, Oh, this, so I was like, for the first time in my life, I was like, Oh, this is how it happens. This is how things start fa- rapidly falling apart on you is when you start putting out mm-hmm. debt and then one unforeseen little thing can happen. And it can put you in a hole that you that you may not be able to dig yourself out. Seems of. like a lot of people are in that spot. I mean, I'm not talking about screen printers. I'm talking about this COVID exposed a ton of people, whether you know the yeah. restaurant industry or whoever it was that only had thirty days paycheck to paycheck. It was yeah. either pay- paycheck to paycheck or thirty. You know, you have thirty sixty days, and if mm-hmm. you don't have income for for that, it's over. Yeah, yep. that, that's tough. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. a tough uh, spot. To and be that's in. one thing. That's one thing I'll I'll admit is like I am not. And I'm, I'm way better now, but I had to like do some like betterment to myself, but like, I've never been like good with money, like at all. Like when I started the business, it was always like, you know, money came in. Oh, I'll pay that later. I know there's orders going to come in. Like, I'll pay that later. I'll pay that later. Like I never like really screwed myself with that, but like for the first, you know, good chunk of years, I would say even like seven years, honestly, I was doing that. I was like ordering, you know, I would get orders all week long. I would let the invoices stack up and then I would order, you know, a couple days beforehand. And I would be like, Oh, well I want to buy this, but you know, I'll take that money out and then a couple orders will pay and then I'll have money for this other thing. It's like, 
dude, that's the not a fucking good way to do it. Like it's scary all. when it happens. And man. I've I did that for a really long time, and then I I got to the point where I was like, I cannot do this anymore, and I started reading on like financing and like best ways to do things the best practices and like you know yeah. you you get into profit first and all these other things and like i never went the full profit first way but honestly reading that book and listening to him really got me in the mode of just pay for everything up front yeah. like every like literally at the end of every day i order everything it's done and then the money i have is my money don't let it ride. Don't do terms. I have a question for to. both of you. Um, do crazy. you do you balance your checkbook every day? <laughs> or Monday through Friday? Do you you sign into online banking, get your register out, and write it down every day? I don't really have to. No, what sir. Do you, mean? you don't have to. What is Dude, that? Somebody else who does watching, that for you? I remember watching my mom balance her checkbook, and I was like, I hope I never have to do that. <laughs> and so to this day, I still don't do that. And no matter how much money I make, I will not do that. Wow. Well, basically, so. basically, like I said, as I buy everything right then and there, I'm not writing checks. Yeah. I'm not having anything on credit. I'm not looking to see like I have X amount, like how much can I shuffle? Like I don't ever do that. So it's like every day I literally just buy everything that's needed for with the cash? shit that came in. Yeah. Right then and there. With Same cash. Here. Same with, here, well, yeah. with a debit card. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, okay, you run so. off of Cural accounting then, huh? For the most part. Uh, we're cash, we're cash basis. Cash so I, I look at, um, but I, but I bounce checkbook every day because, well, that well, is smart, right? So like, because sometimes like, even if you use a debit card, you still have to treat it as a check because that payment may not clear for two days, which means your balance isn't accurate. So you're basically saying you keep on top of your actual balance Yeah. by balancing that book. hundred percent. Yeah. See, I don't do that. Nope. I just, I, I <laughs> nah, but, uh, I, probably I didn't, should start, I didn't but for I a long will. time. Like I didn't, I just had a checkbook and there was a register in there and I was like, what's that for? But, uh, <laughs> and if I needed to know how my balance, I would just get a, you know, print out when I went, made a deposit at the bank and say, Hey, write my balance, my balance down or whatever. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. But, uh, that there was a problem with that eventually. And so, uh, I was just curious if you, well, or like maybe know, somebody else did it. I'd like you, to know but. some other inherent, has there ever been an issue where sort of like you maybe you, you pushed it too far because you weren't and you didn't, or maybe you forgot something that was going to come out that didn't. And now you're kind of sitting there going, oops, now I can't pay rent or something like, have you, has it ever been, that would have been a, that would apply to my previous question a little bit, you know, where well, you pushed it too much. I think maybe when I've done this, I've done all of these things. There's, you know, so now we're back to 19. There's 19 of us here. And so there's, there's 19 people <laughs> whose uh, livelihood depends on, you know, a direct deposit every on a Friday on a check date. And so that'd be horrible of, of me or completely irresponsible of me if I didn't have, if, if there, if it wasn't there and I couldn't, couldn't make that happen. And so That's uh, a good it's point, complicated, yeah. you know, so it's like, maybe if it was just myself, Right. I, would, I would not like be whatever you know i've got enough in there i can buy a cheeseburger yeah yeah and and, and whatever yeah, s- smaller and, shops don't deal with payroll like that so it is almost like i i would even take for granted the fact that you're covering night that you you have to have the checking balance for 19 salaries <laughs> so it's dylan yeah. i mean how many how many yeah. dylan's aren't you up there in in workers i I'm a little bit different from Andy as far as like how I feel my workers are, but yeah, I have eight now and we're so, trying yeah. to get 10 at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, see, I take all that, that part for granted. I mean, I remember it when I had the guys around, but at that, 
I feel like I got more irresponsible as I started kind of pushing things. So as surprising as it is for the, the majority of my early part in this business, I was like, uh, uh, just dude, I never bought anything. I didn't buy cars. I didn't buy bikes. I was super hesitant to buy equipment because I just always wanted to have as much cash at all times as I could possibly have. Right. And Kate, cause I always think the world is falling down around us. That's like my, that is my like go-to state is the world is crashing. Uh, but then like the last two years is where I really started pushing it and, uh, went through, I guess what you did in the early seven years of business where I, uh, I just, I ran too thin and everything kind of piled up around me. Yeah. Like we but were fine. We were okay. Like there was never a point where I was like, Oh my God, like I don't have money for this, but it was just like, I was sick of doing it that way. Yeah. Like I was, I knew it wasn't the right way to do it. And I, like I said, I was trying to better myself and I was trying to make things more efficient or whatever. And like, realistically the way I was doing it before, it was always just like, you're never planning for anything. You're just kind of, you have money and it's like, Oh, I can afford this. I can afford this, but I'll pay that later. I'll pay that later. Yeah. But realistically, when you do it the way I do it now, I have so much more money in my account than I've ever had before because I'm not spending it really. I'm just kind of like, I buy everything I need and then I have the money there. And then now I'm more interested in, I don't know why it's just like a thing. Like, I'm more interested in just growing that balance in the bank account than I <laughs> am in spending it. Like before you'd get to a point, you'd be like, Oh, I have 10,000 in there. Like, yeah, you're um, feeling comfortable. You're like, you're Oh, that, right. that's good. And now you get to a point where you're like, Oh, I have like 50 in there. And it's yeah. like, I, you get to a point where you're just like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want it to ever get below 50. What's interesting or like 10 five years ago, I would have been like, I got a thousand dollars. You know what I mean? And now it's like, you get to a point where you're like, Oh, I've got like a hundred, whatever. And you're like, I can't get below this because I'd be, I'd feel uncomfortable. Like that I was the, here the here. main reason I love the whole profit uh, first principle was, uh, my bank, my bank account swelled so fast, so quickly because of profit first, where, you know, the money comes in and before you even spend, you take out your percentage. And that's like, you're, you're basically assuming profit before. And it swells so quickly. I think that that was what initiated my overconfidence to start going ape shit because I wasn't doing the next step where you take it and you like freeze it in another account. So I was letting it ride in my transfer account. Uh, but when you do that, this is, I, re I remember promoting profit first, maybe three years ago on the YouTube channel. And, and I, I'm still, hundred percent believer in it because if you do it that way, you will see your balances swell to a point where you will become cocky as shit. But <laughs> I think it is the, a very valuable, I, I guess, way of accounting right. in my opinion. Like I said, I didn't want to go the whole thing with like the, you know, 10 bank accounts and whatever else you got to do. I just really, I took from it of, I just need to be smarter with my money and I need yeah. to I, like I said, I, I was just like, I need to pay all these things now. I never have like a credit card or I don't have debt. Like I have a credit card, but it's for like trips. Right. But, like I don't ever put things on a credit card and which wait, or I don't like do terms with any of my distros at all. Good for you. The only time I'd ever do that is if I had a customer that was like a university or something, which isn't my general market anyway. But if they came to me and were like, Hey, I want to do 10,000 shirts, but I can't pay for them for 30 days. Yeah. Then I would do like a one-time terms with Broder or SNS or whatever, which I've done before. They make you sign a thing for that one thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, when I get paid, I'll pay them and whatever. But I don't ever do like, okay, let's ride this out, build up 10 grand worth of debt, and then I'll pay that off. Like, I don't want to do that because I don't trust myself to be 
Like I'm going to safely put 10 grand in the savings account and then I'll pay that later. Like, yeah, I just know for a fact, like I don't trust myself to do that. He'll, so he'll at the end of every day, he'll see a knucklehead for sale on Craigslist. And that, yeah, exactly. That at, the end, at the end of every day, I just like everything I need is paid for. So I'm yeah. literally at zero at the end of every day. And the thing is that I think me and anybody talked about this before. I don't know if it was on the podcast or not is the card that I'm using, the debit card that I'm using, I have one and a half percent cash back on. So all the things I pay for every single day, like all my blanks, all my inks. Yeah. So all the, all the inks, all the shirts and everything I pay for is all going to that one and a half cash back. So at the end of every month, I get like a lump of like, here's like $1,500 in cash back. So I'm like making money by doing it this way. Well, I do that. I get cash back on credit cards, but I always, I just make like my rule is like treat it like an Amex and you always, you know, pay the balance yeah. down. I just have it on my actual off. debit card. I didn't know debit cards did cash back. Well, you got to find one. That pisses yeah. me off. I don't dude. think they do. I think Dylan, I just made, made, this up last, up. He made that up last time. Too. He was freestyling. Hey, Hey, been there, done that, buddy. <laughs> Sometimes I just, just make all this. Up. I don't even have a print shop. This is this is a vinyl. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a green it's screen. Living room. Yeah, it's a green screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have man, no that, clothes that would on be cool. <laughs> yeah, credit is extremely dangerous though, and and I think most businesses. That's where we we all. I I don't know. That's why I brought it up too. Is just to kind of know. It's all. It's in, people like to hear the victories, but they can relate more to the fucking to the damn yeah, near. And failures. I don't want to. I don't want to say that my way is the best way and all this other stuff because it's not. It's just what works for me. Like I said, I have a personality where like. I'm not the best at this thing, but I found something that really works for me. Yeah. So like that works for me. Like there's probably people like Andy balancing a checkbook and using terms or whatever you're doing. Like if that fucking works, do it. It's just not for me. Like I don't trust myself to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It it is good practices. It sounds like, uh, (laughs) Andy's probably the most responsible of the three. Do do you have, do you have families? Do both of you? Mm -hmm. You have kids and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Oh man. What a responsibility, yeah. huh? How about you? <laughs> no. I mean, I have a girlfriend have a and I have dogs. I have two dogs. They cost, uh, what, uh, 20 bucks a week to feed. <laughs> so I'm good, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a lucky position where I can be hyper selfish right now, which I think that's another reason why uh, I can try and dabble in so many things, right? Like if I had a family, even the YouTube channel probably wouldn't have worked out. Because well, when Dylan, you account for the fact that I was shooting all day and editing all night, if I had a family that I had to go home to, I don't know how I would have made that work. I think this is the perfect time for the Inksoft sponsored question. How about you, Dylan? <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> Was that cheesy? Yeah. <laughs> I hated it. I really hated it. I'm so angry right now. And an interview. They're That's sponsoring. Right. Wait, wait, wait. Quick, b- before you do the thing, is this, I don't know, because do you guys, you have separate podcasts, but you tag team both of them. Is that what we're doing? Uh, well, no, he has a podcast, and then there's this podcast. I don't have one. Two totally separate ones. But do you guest yeah. on his? I'm looking no, really guilty no. of not watching your shit right now. Mm-mm. My bad. No, I have, I've uh, rescheduled on him, too, a bunch of times. Oh. Like an asshole. Yeah, Dil- hey, but. you know, I had Dylan on, on mine, and he hasn't asked me on his yet, so. Dude, let's I have get, a list cut, a mile long. Let's okay. cut <laughs> him out. Let's cut him out of this show, and me and you, Andy, we're going to rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> all right well here this is the here's the question and uh i will not talk shit had, about inksoft okay, yeah well good if you had a thousand dollars cash and uh and your bike where would you go and what would you do 
Um, I mean, I would just, I would ride the coast, man. Although I, cause I've only rode the PC, the PCH one time and it was on a sports bike and, uh, 20 miles in my asshole was on fire mm. now i got this cruiser i would i if i had a thousand bucks and i could just cruise i would cruise the coast like into canada uh and then swing back down and go through all of the national parks and that i guy. can tell you even on a cruiser at a certain point your asshole still hurts <laughs> dude you're sitting there going what is the deal well i got a saddleman seat now baby this thing is mm. I, like I do too i do too but it still hurts still but i also have no ass like i have I have what you call top legs, where it's yeah, just the yeah. top trunks of your legs and there's no <laughs> cheeks. Like, I literally have to over-tighten my belt because my pants will fall off. You look like you're standing against a wall or something. Yeah, I have. You ever seen the picture of Hank Hill ass from... <laughs> that's my ass. So it's inverted? Yeah, it's just yeah, basically yeah. little, like, fat nubs in between your legs. That's what well, my ass cheek looks well, like. Well, I'm thin, dude, but I got, I got ass for days, so I can handle it, I think. I but not, it's just straight hole. <laughs> just uh, legs and hole where did we how, how did we get here yeah man that's what i would do what would you guys do have you already asked this and answered this for yourself no no this mm-hmm. is a this is just a question just for you sponsored by inksoft yeah yeah mm-hmm. what would you do dylan well a thousand dollars is fucking chump change so i know so I, we should change that to ten thousand <laughs> i go to the one million dollars a thousand keeps it limited man that makes it to where it has to be experience based well if you yeah there you go see perfect. if you use a thousand dollars in gas then yeah you could go a long way okay a thousand dollar gas card you that means you're definitely camping i would ride out to see my best buddy andy and uh, hang out that's sweet yeah see you're welcome <laughs> boring okay now andy what would you do Just well kidding. i would have to go on craigslist and buy a motorcycle well, with part of that, that thousand. yeah <laughs> and then i'd go nowhere that's it because <laughs> it's a real piece so of you shit because so you got a junky bike yeah baby that was a, the, the first bike i ever had was it was a wrecked uh speed triple it was a uh, uh what do you call it where it's um where it's wrecked fuck anyway yeah that was the first bike I got and it was under a thousand bucks. It's like total what or whatever. It? What is Totaled? it? Yeah. Is it Maybe. a re, is it not refurbished the title? Anyway, oh, I, don't know. I know what you're talking about, but yeah. I can't think of the name either. Well, that was hmm. a good question, man. Um, yeah. I have questions here for you guys too. All right. Fire away. Yeah. This, this is a big one, I think. Uh, Cause I'd like to know where your guys' plans are moving forward in your, how long have we been going? Wow. An hour and 20 minutes. So we can, Okay. Where are you guys? What is the the future for your businesses? Where do you want to go? Where do you land in ten years if you're still in the screen printing business? Andy, you go first. Whoa. Um, honestly, ten years, I might be, I might be out. Um, you got a long way. So to go. five years, let's. I okay. can talk that probably. Um, Fair enough. Maybe. I don't know. That's tough too. Right now I'm trying to make it through 2020 and I don't mean like by going bankrupt or anything. It's just, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I am hands on about everything what's going on right now. So, and it's changing daily. Like it's so weird. So we are gearing up. We have, um, exclusive, uh, contracts with schools and things like that where we're, we're the uniform provider. And a school will be, uh, on, on Monday, a school will be, Hey, we're going five days in, in, you know, in person. And then on Tuesday it's, Oh, we're hybrid two days a week. And then on Wednesday, they're not going at all. It's at home or, you know, so it, this is happening with a bunch of schools. And so mm-hmm. 
And that means that's a big deal because, you know, well, um, well, we used to do thousands of polos, for example, for uh, a school district, the whole district, and they didn't order one, not a single polo. Yeah. And so uh, that's changing up our August for sure. And probably our September and October. And so we're, I'm, I had, I brought, somebody came back and started um, on Monday who, um, who, who kind of just got their feet wet again because they hadn't been here for a while since, since uh, March. And so they, they're going to shift over to biz dev. And so they're going to, and they're going to be really good at that because they're familiar with screen printing and everything else. And they're also very outgoing and everything. I've never had that really kind of thing before. You said business so, dev. Yep. We're, we're going to yeah. go and, and we're going to approach people like we haven't before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Dylan That's does good. this. Dylan does this. A, a lot of that actually. And I wanted to gonna, talk to you guys about that too in a sec yeah. before we bounce. Cause I think yeah. that's an important thing to talk about. But um, so do you find that just right now it, you, it could, it's difficult to predict what's happening because maybe the industry is changing a little bit is um for us only because um this time of year anyway um a chunk of our business was school related mm-hmm. and so since schools uh were happening or weren't like we have a license for a university too for example and they're happening or aren't they you know it's getting ready to yeah change yeah, and so yeah. we're sort of uh and, and what were our plans for august and september that kind of stuff hinges on on that do they go back to school or not and so um other other shops you know they're maybe they're event based or maybe they're like dylan maybe they do um, um shirts for for comics or something that have merch programs that that are still functioning really well and so yeah. i think we're getting ready to i might i guess what i what i should say is that we're probably getting ready to pivot a little bit um from our from our standard second half of the year yeah and uh, and so i'm 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 gonna be focused on that and that's that's all right now and so so yeah can you can you see a day where you're uh able to let the biz can you see a day where you can build the business to let it exist with in spite of you can you see an out Mm -hmm. in that you know in that uh, do you that, mean do you mean ha- owning the business still and just not being here every day or yeah, selling the business and walking the away? Yeah, either um, one. I made a point uh, maybe five years ago to make sure that I could be gone at that point anyway. I was like, I want to be able to be gone a week and have it be fine without me. And so I had to make a bunch of changes and I did as far as like who are key holders, who's openers, who's a closer, what happens if shit goes down and who, who do you go to? And then when do they call me if it escalates? So I did that five years ago, made sure I could be gone a week and then I changed it to two weeks. And uh, I don't know, a few years ago and I'm, I can be gone for two weeks. And then this January, I was actually gone for three weeks in Palm Springs. I got stuck out in the desert Oh, nice! Uh, on purpose. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and uh, and it all hey, it's it all it all worked, and so I can probably be gone a month, I'd say, at this point. But it's pretty cool. I can run payroll from an app on my phone. Yeah, crazy. I don't know. That would that would be sick to to build a business to the point where you can you check in a couple times a week, but overall you can kind of be out, you know, living that. What I, I think is that well, I think most entrepreneurs that is kind of the goal at some point to be able to live a little freer from the business, right? I think, but we're a mom and pop, we're a small business. And as a small, small business, it's like, I mean, I don't know. It's, I think it's, I think you've got to be there, you know, if you want it to be a certain way at some point you could, you could probably build and yeah. I don't know. It certainly needs a lot of attention still from me. I couldn't, I couldn't not be here, but but that, that person, that operator is out there that could replace you, you Mm, know, they they gotta be there. They gotta be. 
they'd probably have to be part owners or something. I'm sure it's really motivate them. It is, it is my fault a hundred percent that I work here every single day. I could probably be, I get stuck in operations when I shouldn't. I read a, just almost have read this whole book on kind of suggestions on maybe how not to do that uh, so much, but what seven, uh, seven habits of highly effective people. Thank you. (laughs) I'm only to have it. I read uh, that when I was tw- <laughs> the Hobbit series. Really nice. I'm only um, to habit. Uh, I'm only to habit. What about you, Dylan? Five or something. Where do you see it going, man? Honestly, I don't want to sound cheesy, but like I'm, I'm at where I want to be at. Like I finally got the equipment I wanted. I got the staff I want. I, I'm comfortable with the amount of work that we have, and I just want to ride it as long as I can go. Like. Every year, yeah, I might buy new equipment that's new and efficient and stuff like that. But realistically, like, I don't want to grow anymore. Like, I don't want to be like, we need five more autos. We need 35 more employees. Like, I literally feel good right here. Like, I just want to continue to work with the kind of clients that we have, which we get every year anyway, just because of word of mouth and referrals and stuff like that. I just want to ride it out. I want to have like, we're renovating next door. I want to, I finally, I'm going to have my own office and not that I don't like the way it is now where I'm kind of like communal with other people in the same area, but like I need my own space because there's certain things like meetings I take and stuff that I want to have like by myself or do podcasts like this. Like right now, if Andy calls me in the middle of the day and it's like, Hey, I want to do a podcast. Like I'm like, I can't because there's five other people in this room. Like, yeah. Like, so we're really comfortable. Like I said, I own the building. I don't have any debt. I, I own that. all I the equipment. I think I heard you say that before. You own that thing, huh? Yeah. That's cool. So, and it's paid for. Everything's paid for. How do you? But like I said, the company just runs itself. I could probably, like Andy, go away for as long as I wanted to and come back as long as I'm checking in. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm happy. Like, I'm really happy and really comfortable with where my company. So you, so you could do this till your deathbed. What you got? I plan to, right now. I plan nice. on riding this out until I'm just like either awesome. a, I die, which will probably happen because I'm a piece of shit or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, I just get to a point where I'm like 50 something and I'm like, you know what? I feel like just traveling the world for a year. You right. know what I mean? And then I can just go. And then, you know, by then maybe my kids will be managers and helping me run the company and, yeah. All I got to do is check in once in a while and keep going. I just plan on, I love this industry. Like I'm not in this at all to be like, this is a business. I need to make X amount of dollars at the end of every year. As long as I have money to pay my bills and have, all my employees are paid. Yeah. I'm here to fucking party, dude. Like I'm just, <laughs> I love, it. I love, I love it. this industry. I love talking to printers. I love learning about screen printing every day. We're doing something cool art wise or print wise. Like to me, that's, yeah, get, you know, dude, I've noticed, I've noticed that, especially with, I think upstate in particular, that you just, it seems like you have this, uh, great list of clients that, that, that are giving, I don't know if you're doing the artwork or they're providing it, but it's, it seems like it would be exciting to exciting yeah, it's to every day, every day you're, you're kind of Inspiring. riding the coattails of these designers that make awesome greatness. Art. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, they yeah. give you art and you're like, Oh, this looks cool on a computer. But like I get to bring this to life and like actually make the inks, make the seps. Yeah. The seps is the big thing, you know, realistically, it doesn't get as much credit as it does, but like having amazing separations and then bringing it to life on screen. Yeah. Is it's awesome. And we do that every day. So for me, 
I'm Pretty happy fulfilling. with that. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't plan on doing anything else. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I don't know, man. I uh I def the software is the is the uh for sure the primary motivation at this time. And I can see this thing being the thing that I die with, or it's like the the legacy for me. But I do absolutely love the industry. I think for me, when I started pulling away from screen printing was uh, the frustrations with staleness. Like, you know, you get it to a certain point and that's why I envy you is because you're, you're, you're working with so many clients that you're inspired for me in the shop. It just started feeling like, dude, what, this is just like uh, ticking a clock, right? I'm signing in, I'm answering questions, emails, and it just started to become old hat. So I would like to get back into the printing thing but I would like to do it in a um, more fun and creative way or a more useful way. But for me, ultimately it's the software first. That is my, that's my like 10 years uh, over the next 10 years. I really want to make it an amazing addition to Inksoft and Printavo and all these other things. You know, I want to give options and provide really cool alternatives and shit like that. Well, competition makes things better. So, Oh yeah. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. I like, I like all of them and you know, every program, even mine, they all have their strengths and their weaknesses. And I think um, for me, I built mine just because I had an idea of how it should be done. It's not to say it is the way it should be done. That's just the way I felt it should be done. You know? Well, I, I echo a lot of what Dylan said and also you said, I mean, I do love this industry. I've been doing it a little longer. So when I thought about 10 years from now, I'm like, man, I want to be doing what Dylan mentioned. And that is probably traveling. And, and maybe that's a great idea is just doing it a little less, you know, still, still having a foot in if it, if I can, I don't know, I've never had, I've never tried that. So I don't know if I can make it work having one foot in here, checking in, like you said, and still making it run and then doing other stuff. So, because I want to, well, that's our, that's our job as the owner is to make enough processes to where the company can it run is. itself. It is, which is really hard. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody's last words were, I wish I would have worked more. No, that, and that's the kind of so, the thing you're getting to, man, is like, uh, you know, you do these things and like you're, you know, you're responsible for people and you, you're uh, taking care of these folks. But at the end of the day, like when you're on your deathbed, what, what did you want to have done? What do you want to look back on and go, oh yeah, that was, that was cool. I'm glad I did that. Mm-hmm. That was, it was worth it. And that's what, that's kind of what we say here. Even me and all the employees is kind of like, we print cool shit to give us money to be able to do more fun shit. Like yeah. realistically, this is feeding our habit to, Everybody who works here, and, and I kind of have it special. Like, I, I got super lucky, but most of the people who work here are my best friends. Like, and it That's wasn't crazy. it wasn't my best friend. You know, I made best friends from the company. It was like, no, my best friends from high school work here. Like, That's crazy. We are all friends. We get along. We all work hard. So, like, literally, I get to go to work just to fucking bullshit and hang out with my best friends all day long. Like, yeah, that's amazing. That is so absolutely So, to me, it's amazing. like we're making money and we're, we're providing for all our own families, but really, it's just a reason to hang out all day. Is that dynamic ever uh, difficult? In other words, um, do you ever find yourself in a spot where there's a disagreement and it's your best friend? I have, and- lost, mm-hmm. I have lost a really good friend that I had because of business. I have, um, too. But luckily most of the people that are here like Chris and Brian and you know some of these other people that are here it's like I've had these guys forever and like I trust them and they trust me to know that like we're all in this together like they'll be here on weekend like Chris was here earlier I came here in my fucking like sweatshorts and t-shirt no hat like my fucking pajamas earlier where'd you get that shark shirt then you had it that was 
I got it early. I, I went well, home and got You I can't got, tell from the video. Hey, come a little closer, but those are sharks on there, yeah? Mm, sharks. Can you see those? The little Dixon logo has a shark fin on it, too. That's cool. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, you know, I came here earlier, like, just to, like, check something or do something. And, like, Chris was already here, like, at his desk. It's Saturday. He doesn't have to be here. Yeah, like they awesome. just show up to like do shit because they know it'll be better for Monday. Hmm. Like yeah. Randy was here too when I got in. And their salary like, or hourly? Uh, Chris is the only one salary just because he's like production manager. Like I kind of like know yeah. he's going to be here every day and do his thing. But everybody else is, um, they're all full time. Yeah, they just right. get paid hourly. But still, yeah, it's a, just like they're they're not even getting paid. Like Randy was here, but he's not getting paid. He's just here. Like he's chilling. like oh, I need to like do this thing real quick or whatever. And it's like, well, it's like you've almost created like a clubhouse environment. Really? That's what what it is. Like realistically. So that's what you're good at too, is if creating that culture, that's tough, you know, having that. And I never, the thing is, is I feel like it works. It works when you don't think about it. Like Mm -hmm. you're not thinking about it as like, how do I create, like people are like, fucking put mission statements on the wall. Like at Google and shit. Yeah. Right. It's like, dude, stop doing that shit. Just like, be yourself and like that's why i said like here like we just do shit that we want to do because that's what we want to do it's not like let me think about ways to better the company culture and it's like no like i didn't buy a fucking ping pong table (laughs) to be like let's all hang out and do ping pong because that's what we should do to be smart it's like you know you guys ride bikes and and shit together like on the weekends and all that that's badass yeah do you ride just yeah well i try to but sometimes it's it's really not even worth it because i don't even get out of first gear to get here <laughs> okay because my house is like the next road over so like so i butt, just coast down the hill but your butt never hurts and my butt never hurts never hurts well on the hardtail it hurts no matter where i go oh god i can't imagine but yeah that, that, those, that, those bikes you got are sick but you have a cruiser too don't you mm-hmm. i have three now dude there goes that spending money you were talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> But yeah, guys, uh, I'm trying to think anything else because I had some stuff here. But you guys, we kind of covered all of it. So I'm good. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this with us, dude. Let me shout out all my stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. So if you're looking for shop management software uh, and you're, I I would say now, if you're just getting into the business, I have the best solution for you. Go to theprintlife.com, subscribe. And uh, you know, uh, we're going to bleep that out and put inks off, right? Blame it out, but they know. Let me just don't put a box over my lips. Okay. Uh, also, follow me on the Print Life on YouTube, and you can follow me at Cam Irvin on Instagram. Thank yeah. you so much for having me, guys. Hey, thanks, dude. We appreciate it. Can we just end this, and that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Good talking yeah. to you again. Stops. Yeah. And then we delete it, and we never post it. Yeah. <laughs> or it comes out two months later. Dude, yeah. remember when my, we had like a whole production process. It's like, okay, here's, here's how it's going to go. It was a whole other thing. This is way we just, better. We just want to chat. Yeah, this There's is no like formal way anything. better. Well, right on, boys. You guys are the best, man. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, man. We'll see thanks. you later. Subscribe to the Print Life Software. Bye. <laughs> see ya. How do I leave this shit now? <laughs> <laughs>